A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, friends. Have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships. My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach And within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. Woo! I'm joined, as always, by my fabulous, amazing friend, co-host, physical therapist, and just extraordinary superhuman, Kristen Williams. Wow. Thank you, Laura. So glad to do this every week with you. Equally as superb of a person, friend, mentor, you name it. We're both wearing our, oh, I was wearing my more core earlier, but we're both wearing our swag. I need to get that one that you have. I've been like coveting it for too long. So everybody go and check out our hoodies. They are amazing. We're not just saying that. It they are. No. They, you'll live in them. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Like it's. I really love them. Sad. I, yeah. But my poor husband probably misses me in real clothes. I know. Oh well. Oh well. All right. So we got a question on our support at lityoga.com Um, from let's see. We'll just say Tucker is the is the name because we don't have a, a last name per se. Or no, it's Jen, mm-hmm. and I don't think her last name's Tucker, but we'll say it's Jen. Um, so she says, "Hi there. I wanted to submit a spicy podcast question. Ooh. I'm 30 years old and have hip pain from sex. Woof! There I said it. When you Google sex hip pain, results show articles only for seniors who are advised to take it easy." 
Not a fun result at age 30, and I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm curious if Laura and Kristen have general advice for sexual longevity, specifically for women. How do we keep our hips strong and healthy, taking common sexual positions into consideration? Great question. Great question. I love it. Nothing's off the top. And this is a topic that we should talk about, like without any kind of, ooh, Twitter tittering. Yeah, well, and, I mean, this is a question I'll get in clinic, you know, for people with back, you know, back pain, SI joint pain, hip pain. So Jen, you're not alone. No, you're not. And I think it's, I think it's very important to realize this is something that is now being talked about a lot more than it has in the past, but it's been present throughout for people. Um, women having pelvic pain, having pain in their hips. So by the way, pain in your hips could be coming from your pelvic, uh, whether it's floor or pelvic wall muscles, and it might be uh, some kind of radiation out into the hip. So it's not necessarily the hip joint, although we certainly want to be mobile and strong there. So I like that you're already thinking in those. So I'll just launch right in and say, number one, I highly recommend you go see a pelvic health specialist if you are experiencing this every single time. If you're experiencing it sometimes when your hips are doing big mobility moves, it might indeed just be like the, the t there's tension, there's resting muscle tension in the surrounding tissues. A lot of times adductors, which are inner thighs, they come up from the femurs and they attach onto the pubic bone. So you can imagine if you're kind of pulling and the pubic, you know, that area is opening up during sex, there could be some tension there and that while it might not, you might not feel it there, you could feel it in the hip joint because the pressure, you know, anytime you have kind of uneven pressure you're pulling might be coming out into the hip joint. So the first thing I would really look at is your adductors, which are, tend to have a, a kind of higher resting muscle tension uh, for almost everyone because of the way we sit. You know, our legs are together. Uh, women, we cross our legs a lot. I'm not saying men do, but women, we definitely do. A lot of that is because we have wider pelvises and the legs coming in, it kind of feels like tidy to bring them in together and often cross them. And that crossing or just bringing, having them in together all the time is going to shorten um, the resting position, the, the tension of that. So again, we're not changing the muscle length. That's always there, but the, the surrounding fascia will kind of shrink wrap to the way that you are typically um, pulling on that area. So just, you know, straddling the legs, we do like lots of like standing straddle. And the reason why standing I think is superior to than just sitting is because you're getting much more engagement around the hip, in the leg, from the energy from the floor. And so you're just, it's tending to keep it more balanced than if you just like folded forward, you might get it into your low back, you might get it just into the adductors and it might be too much pressure. So you always want to kind of manage the pull. Um, so doing like having your legs wider when you're standing and they're parallel and hinging at the hips, you can put your hands on a chair, you can put your hands on blocks. And going to a point where you where your spine stays neutral, you're hinging in the hips, but you feel some of that tension. And then you can add some, that's why we always do side lunges in lit, because that's going to pull one side of those uh, hip abductor, uh, adductors a little bit more. And you're strengthening because you want to control. So you're always think of like the bowl of the pelvis resisting the temptation to just let, let it tip over. 
it's really easy if I'm sitting here to let the pelvis tip back or tip forward. And then when I take that into movement, that isn't going to pull on all the tissues around the pelvis in an equal way. So you might actually be reinforcing some of those imbalances. So that's one thing I would do. And then do a lot of our the drills like we do um, in our Lit class. Like if you go on Lit Daily, which is our online platform, we have over 600 classes. Go to something like the Bridge Series. And there's a hip hip section. And these are like 20-minute classes where you could just practice mobilizing that hip more, both um, when you're kind of sidelining or you're in bridge, and then also when you are weight-bearing. And that'll be really nice to get that more balanced mobility around the hip and more balanced around the, of the tissues around the hip. Um, if you're feeling anything like pressure in your pelvic floor, uh, it's hard to go to the bathroom or completely void, it's called. Like when you when you go to the bathroom and you don't completely void and then you come away and you feel like, oh, wait, I got to go back and go some more, that might indicate there's some um, you know pelvic floor tone issues. And that is where a pelvic floor pe specialist is, would be amazing. I'm sure you have a lot more to add. Let me let me turn it over to you. Yeah, no. I, first of all, I love that you went right into, you know, addressing possible core strength, you know, issues. Um, because, like you said, it might not be you feeling the hip, but it might not be coming from the hip. What I've seen a lot with people, well, a couple of things. I have a couple of suggestions. What I've seen a lot is, you know, when we think about a traditional, let's say, missionary position. You know, that can really put not only the hips in a in an uncomfortable, what we call like a um, Faber position, flexed, abducted and externally rotated ish, depending on, you know, what your legs are doing, um, which is is not comfortable if you have a hip joint dysfunction. Um, so mobilizing the hips, like you said, Laura, and in the short term, trying a different position. You know, so you on top is going to put your hip in much less of that flexion and abduction, quite frankly. It's also going to, the other thing with that kind of traditional missionary position is it really kind of opens up that SI joint. And it's almost like, I hate to use the, the term, but like pile driving into your SI joint, mm. which if, if you're a female and you have any type of hypermobility, you're you're putting yourself into this quite open, loose packed position is what we can, what we call it. And then that position in particular, I have found a lot of people struggle with. And so, you know, try something else, get on top, um, believe it or not, even, I mean, we're talking about this doggy style, I think can be, a you, you can be, you can set yourself up to where you can be more set mechanically in your SI joints, in your lower back, all those areas that can refer to the hip. So what Laura was describing is fantastic and exactly what I would say for prevention of and then also rehabilitation to strengthen, mobilize, all of that needs to happen, which going to a pelvic floor specialist, going to a physical therapist, just to take a look at that hip. How is your mobility in that hip compared to the other side? Um, how is your SI joint mobility? You know, what is going on in the surrounding areas? And so, you know, we don't want you to say, don't have sex until you figure this pain out. So I would say try different positions that might be shocking to you how much better it feels. Go see a pelvic floor specialist and or a PT to really get a good mechanical assessment of, of 
how that hip is doing. And then absolutely, regardless, get on the lit daily. I think any of your pre and postnatal stuff would be great. Pelvic floor, core. You'd be surprised how, especially Jenna, I don't know, you're in your 30s. Maybe you've had a kid, maybe you haven't. I don't know, but you know, that changes our bodies. Hormones change our bodies. I'd be curious if time of month your pain is different. So there's a lot of factors that I'm so glad we're talking about this because it shouldn't be taboo. Mm -hmm. It should absolutely be, you should enjoy sex and you should um, want to have this conversation with your partner. I'm sure he or she really wants you to enjoy it too. So um, I'm assuming right now this is a heterosexual, you know, relationship, but you know, same thing with same sex. There's going to be different positions that, that, that you can try and then really just taking care of your body um, functionally and mechanically at the core. Yeah, I would add, I'm so glad you brought that up about like, if you have any kind of acetabular impingement, that anterior hip pain, you can kind of test it out like when you're not having sex, just when you hinge at the hips, do you ever feel like a compressiveness, like a, something that doesn't feel good? That's the where, again, your pelvis is doing too much of the movement. It's kind of closing off the space in the hip joint. And over time, that can lead to any time your hips are flexed. And then, of course, like you were saying, if you're on your back and missionary and really flexing, and you feel it in that front of the hip, that is a, a, that's an impingement happening. And that's going to... And that's kind of passive again. Uh, so I love your suggestion of try different positions without getting too TI, like, uh, what is it? Uh, too much TMI. information. TMI. Yeah. Uh, my husband, for my birthday this year, bought a wedge. It's a sexual wedge, but honestly, you could use anything. And the whole idea is that you can really maneuver around it for a variety of positions where you're really comfortable. So you could also try, like, uh, like if you didn't want to go get a sexual wedge, you could just get a a really firm cushion to kind of give prop you a little bit so you're not getting so much of that um that you know deep uh hip flexion which if if that's part of it and again that flex position could be because your adductors are tight because your pelvis is tilting so yeah. all this stuff on lit we, this is what we focus on because we want you to be functioning well during the day, during the night, during all kinds of positions, we really want you to feel your best. And, and I love that you brought this up because you deserve it. Yeah. Great question. All right. Um, I have a question from Home Life 11. Achilles tendinopathy. It's so sore after doing handstands, the push off. Any way to ease this? Mm -hmm. um, this is, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, this is a. Uh... You know, Achilles tendinopathy, for people who don't know what the Achilles tendon is, it's that it's your thickest tendon, um, really the strongest tendon in the body. It's it's right behind your ankle. So it's uh, it attaches from the calf muscle down to your heel. And it's a very common place, a tendinopathy. So we think of tendinitis is like when you that acute inflammation where people will have um, pain. And, and as you have a tendinopathy over time, excuse me, a tendonitis over time can become what we call a tendinopathy. So that's pathology. I mean, it's the tendon is now pathologic. Usually we will call this, it's synonymous with oftentimes tendinosis, where the, the tendon thickens, the tendon, um, if you can imagine a tendon looking from going from looking pearly white to like gnarly yellow. So it's no longer as 
tensile. It's no longer as strong. Believe it or not, our Achilles tendon can take up to a healthy Achilles tendon up to 10 times the body weight. So think about that. You know, it, and it is our, like I said, our longest and largest tendon in the body. So when we start to feel discomfort, honestly, I'm going to look there because that's where it hurts. I'm going to look at the flexibility of your calf, which is your, your, gast your gastrocnemius, your soleus. I'm going to look at the flexibility of your, your, the, the foot, you know, your, your plantar fascia, but I'm really going to look up the chain because what we see a lot, you can walk around and watch people walk. And the number of either toe walkers you'll see people who are really what we call in lit snoozy glutes just very you know the, their muscle tone in the gluteus maximus is lacking for whatever reason you know you've got a you've got a desk job i mean how often how often are we when we're little we're running around we're jumping we're you know always plyometric as we age we do less of that and so it's not uncommon whether you do exercise or not to develop tightness, stiffness, it just becomes less pliable. And so one of the best things you can do, a couple things, you know, you can do some eccentric strengthening. So eccentric means the muscle is lengthening as it's working. So the best kind of way to do this is to maybe if it's, let's say it's your left leg, you stand on the edge of a step, you go up on both tippy toes, and then maybe you lift the right leg and slowly try to lower that left heel. You can even drop the heel below the level of the stair. So what it's doing is that calf muscle is working to, to lower you slowly. So it is contracting, but it's lengthening while it's contracting. That has been shown for years. Eccentrics have been shown to be the best treatment for tendinopathies, tendinosis, tendinitis. Now you're gonna go through a phase where you're like, holy crap, this hurts. And that's not uncommon where you kind of gotta get over the hump. And then, but as you strengthen that, as you lengthen it, it becomes healthier. It, 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 it basically, you're kind of getting it to relay down or like lay down newer, healthier, better tendinous tissue get rid of inflammation, get rid of any scar tissue. So soft tissue work, you know, with a butter knife, with your, just your hands, you can go see a body um, massage, you know, massage therapist, physical therapist, a body work specialist, let's, we'll call it that, you know, that can help, but also let's bring it up the chain. Let's look to see, are you using your glutes well? I'll never forget, Laura, when we were in Costa Rica this last year and we, there's a, there's, this place we were in was on a hill. And I mean, how many steps? 120 steps, maybe oh, more yeah. from, so our, from our place. Yeah. Oh my gosh, for like the first four days, I was dying my calves. And I, I'm active, I'm a runner, I'm a yogi, I do lit. But I wasn't used to that climbing of, 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 of stairs so often. And, you know, you made a really great post where you talked about, you know, leaning in and using, using your butt not just your calves. And I kind of was like, oh my gosh, I'm totally just using my calves. So we tend to overuse the calf muscle at times if the glutes are weak. We see weakness in the calves can cause this tendonitis. Um, those are the, and then also tightness, like I talked about, tightness in the musculature, tightness in the soft tissues. Those are the top three things that pop into my head. What do you uh, had to have to add to that, Laura? 
Yes, I would agree because I, I um, have worked with so many people with this issue. And, you know, it's interesting you say the handstands, the push-off. Well, that makes sense. So in addition to the glute, the entire posterior chain, the glutes really performing well and the hamstrings, we have to look at the foot. And really, like, I would do some sensorial stuff on your foot, whether it's with a tennis ball or some kind of um, object. You know, the neuro ball is amazing. We, uh, we, we really love that. Um, that was developed by, it's, it's Naboso. I would get one of those because it, all the plantar fascia, it's getting these, the, the, the sensation there, it's get, it wakes up your proprioceptors and it's getting the fascia a little bit more supple because really when you're pushing off from a handstand, you almost want to have yourself so plantar flexed you're on the ball of that first, of the first metatarsal head and then really pushing from that big toe and first metatarsal. That's where you're going to get a lot of the push. So you might be really not doing that as much and overly doing right where the, the bottom of the Achilles comes and meets at the heel. So first of all, try that and then do a lot, lot of work with the you know toe mobility, the big toe mobility. The second thing is like Kristen was already referencing – Start doing things like walking backwards because the push you're pushing off, but then you're also having to decelerate the landing. It's an eccentric type of activity. It's also just different, right? Because we're constantly pushing off, and you might be that, you know, we can kind of throw ourselves through space, <laughs> you know, once we get momentum going. You can't really do that going backwards as well. It, there's a lot of intention, and it's a, it's a great way to work the foot, the calf, and the glute, you know, the entire posterior chain differently. So I would, you know, I, I do this on the treadmill, but you don't have to, if you don't have a treadmill, don't worry about it. Do it outside, of course, ha know your surroundings well, and but practice just walking backwards and then turning around and going forward and then walking backwards. You don't have to, like, walk backwards for a mile, but implement that in your walking. Do some sidestepping as well, because you need that kind of reaction and responsiveness of your foot and ankle connection. And so those lateral moves are really great as well. So I think just working from the, from down and up and then up and down, so glutes, hamstrings, of course, look at your pelvis. I know that you're doing all of that. But as it, it will, because I've had Achilles uh, tendonitis, not to tendinopathy, and I knew that, again, that was in my genetics. I really needed to work on that. Um, and so I've done that. I've kind of, but you want to go to that like edge where it's not painful, like you can't walk the next day. But the eccentrics will help a lot. They'll make you a little bit sore, but not in that sore type of way that the tendon soreness gives you. So that's a lot to um, work on, but we know you can do it. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, one of our next questions kind of goes, right in to more calf work. So this is becoming a little bit of a, a calf discussion here on our last two um, questions. This one came in again over our uh, support at Lit Yoga from um, Allie Archard. She says, hi, Kristen and Laura. I'm writing this, on this question on behalf of my partner, Beck. Beck is an avid cyclist. However, their calf muscles don't seem to be as strong and toned as their upper thighs. I often joke that Beck is heavy footed when they walk, and I'm curious to know if their gait is having an impact on their calves. I'm sending through a short video for your reference, 
Beck rides with cleats and has no issues with pain. We'd love to know your insights on this. So, Laura, did you get a chance to watch this video? I did not. Okay. I didn't even I'm see there's pull an it attachment. Up here. Yeah, so everybody that's listening, I hope you know we also have this full episode on our YouTube channel, Lit Yoga, but we can um, describe what's happening. Yeah, so you can see that, right? Yeah, we're go. seeing so this right she, now. Yep. There they are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, right. So she's like, I see which. So she's walking, and there is, I, I, I can, yeah, I can see there's a sense of kind of landing hard mm -hmm. on the foot. And then even when you get that, that back view, there's a kind of a lack of tone. You can see the lack yeah. of tone mm -hmm. in, the, mm -hmm. in the calf. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on the right one. The right one is. It's um, really a, to me, like do that one more time. I'm looking at it. And the way I can describe it is like, she's, she's really barely lifting her foot off the floor. And I'm not saying we need a big swing. But I, her foot does not seem to be contributing much to the action of walking. It's like kind yeah. of land, you know, for lack of a better description, it's like Fred Flintstone, you know, like Bob up, like big, you just land, it's land flat footed, but it's the, also the swing is not really indicative that there's any push off. So that's the first thing I see there. Like, yes, there's lack of uh, any really um, noticeable tone in the calf for somebody who's biking. Because again, when you have those clips on, that's what I'd be interested in is, are you using them for just driving down or is she really pulling back? Because the pulling back is a plantar flex position and the calf is gonna shorten there. Um, so that, you, you do see a lot of bikers who have substantial calf muscles. Uh, I would, but from looking at the walking, the weight is just kind of going down. So even it doesn't feel like energy's up. It doesn't feel like her pelvis is kind of lifting. I always talk about the the femurs, the thighs kind of being elevators up to the pelvis. And this magic pelvic bowl is like balanced on top of it. It's not kind of heavy down. So it feels very heavy from the pelvis down. And I don't know if that is making the foot landing hard or if it's a combination of it's just, sometimes this is a, a neuromotor thing. It's like, again, you can kind of slug yourself through space, like we were just talking about, and not a lot of action. Where I, so the first thing I would recommend is like pretend like you're wearing um, like a harness, like a rock climber would wear, like around the pelvis, lifting you up. And get this like as you're walking, not that you want a lot of vertical excursion because that's, a, that's not efficient, but a lift, an inner lift up so that you're unloading that downward pressure into the femurs and then downward pressure into the feet. And then the foot lands and it kind of, you know, we want this, not like a horse, but we want this feeling of cyclical um, activity. And that really comes into play when you're running. I mean, it's just, it's like coiling, 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 but you can practice it in an exaggerated way in walking to better connect the foot to the calf, the calf to the hamstring and glute. So that's the first thing I would say is her feet don't, and maybe it's because they're bound in this little clip and then she's bound in shoes the rest of the day. So I'd get out of shoes and really work on lots of foot stuff, like rising up on her heels over and over, toe walking, heel walking, um, springing, like really pushing off and like it's called bounding. You know, we do this in, in uh, track exercises. All these type of things that are gonna get that 
foot ankle more mobile because it really doesn't look like it's participating a lot. Well, and I think that Allie was quick to point out that they don't have pain, you know, so they, they aren't, and that's hard. So I'm actually kind of impressed. I'm impressed that someone is taking the forethought to be like, you know, my partner's not in pain now, but this is what we see, you know, Beck is clearly not, it's, it's clear from this video that they are not using their, their foot and ankle. Like you said, but it's, it's a very, it is a heavy gait pattern. There's a lack of mobility in their ankles, um, which, you know, they're probably young and that's fine now where we see this become an issue is later in life, especially, you know, they're a cyclist. Maybe they have a desk job. Like you said, maybe they're in shoes all day long. So they really are never asking their foot and ankle to do this, which may never be a problem, but I'm going to err on the side of just because it, doesn't hurt now doesn't mean it won't hurt later. And I really want us, that's why we talk about optimal movement. You know, we want people to be moving at their optimal way. Now that doesn't mean that Beck needs to go change their gait pattern. You know, um, they might think about it more, maybe think about that heel toe push off, just to see how it feels, you know? Now I would not say, Beck, don't go do this from now, you know, because you're probably going to aggravate some, you're probably going to give yourself a, a, a calf tendonitis if all of a sudden you change your, your gait pattern. But I love your recommendation, Laura, of doing some foot and ankle work, doing, doing some yoga, you know, doing some, we've got some great foot and ankle classes on the Lit Daily where we do all sorts of fun mobilization for the ankle. I've got free stuff on our, on our YouTube channel, foot and ankle mobility work. Um, you know, where you can just start to challenge those lower legs because it doesn't appear that you're doing it now. And so just think of this as preventative maintenance, um, as good practice for your body, which is really what I think about my lit yoga practice as every day. It's, I'm not in pain. I don't have issues um, for the most part, but it's, it's good preventative maintenance. Yeah, it's like a battery. We need to recharge it, you know, whether it's deciding not to work or not. The other thing I would just echo is um, add some plyo. Like, yeah, start and it, you know, don't go gangbusters right away. But that that um, quick power move that you need for for plyo is going to be great. And that's one reason we include it in, in a lot of our lit classes is it's really good. It's good for your tissues. It's good for your bones. It's good for your spring. It's good for the coordination of the muscle firing. And it'll get that ankle and uh, foot toe mobility that I think is kind of lacking a little bit in the gait. So yeah, get back to us and let us know if any of that works or sounds good. All right, everybody. This was awesome as always. Please send us questions like these wonderful people did. Uh, you can always write us at support at lityoga.com and just drop that question there. Nothing is off the table. And you can always say, hey, please don't use my name. We're happy to... Um, not use your name if that's something you would like to protect. Or you can find us at? On Instagram, you can DM us at lara.hyman or kbwilliams99. Um, that's a great place. We're always checking those. We just make a screenshot and kind of have a little folder. So don't forget to rate and review uh, us as well. That that just helps us out. And, um, you know, please keep them coming. Yeah, please share with friends. We just got on the top eight uh, wellness podcast. So we're like, woohoo! Amazing.
celebrating. Thank you all for making that happen. We so appreciate you. And as always, we're pulling for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.